I am Pastor Matt again, um, and I preach when Pastor Michael and Craig don't want to. Um, so the last time I was able to preach, no, it's true, you wait. Last time I was able to preach, it was at East. We had a good time, and when I arrived at East, I told them the topic, and a few of them laughed at me, for I was preaching on patience, and I am not the person that should be preaching on patience. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's a little intense. I don't know. Um, so they laughed. Some even here when they said, oh, how'd it go? And I said, oh, you know, it's okay. And uh, they said, what was the topic on? They laughed when I said it was on patience. So um, same thing happened here. So I imagine, and Craig, you're in the room, so you can tell me if this is true. Um, Pastor Craig and Pastor Michael are sitting on Craig's patio. That's where they do some meetings. And uh, they look at the year and they say, okay, who, who wants to preach on this one? And when will I be out of town? And this and this. And they look through the year and they're in the spiritual fruits and they go, oh, patience. And right away, Michael goes, mm-mm, mm-mm, nope. And he goes, you're on. And Craig's like, no way, because when I preach on patience, God tests it. And God wants to make sure I understand it. And so, you know, they say, hey, let's let souls do it. (laughs) So so today, I get to preach on trials and testing and the furnace of affliction of 2020, which I know both of them said, nope. God's going to see if I'm willing to learn myself what I will be preaching from the pulpit. And wouldn't you know, it was true from the week and a half from starting to prepare for this sermon, it seemed like, not, and it wasn't major things, but one thing after another, God was just saying, hey, are you gonna listen to? Are you gonna listen to? Um, good friend of mine went to the hospital. My dad went to the ER, mainly for being stubborn because he won't take his meds. Um, I mean, thing after thing got piled on my plate and piled on my plate, and you know, through it all, oh, and the dishwasher broke, which, uh, I hate plumbing. Um, And you know, my kids through it all, they were like perfect obedient angels just waiting quietly for daddy to deal with this in his own time. You know, no, it was Christmas. It was crazy. So God was just saying, you know, Matt, you need to listen to. And so as we get into um, trials and God using this year to test us, just know I am speaking from one who is learning and one who wants to be molded by God by 2020, just like you. So Today, if you have your Bibles or your devices, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1. Excuse me, you can turn there. We'll primarily be in verses 6 and 7. Just a little bit of um, context for who Peter is writing to. He is writing to a group of Jewish believers who are going through trials and suffering. They are dispersed, means they are scattered. They are um, they're having their property seized. They're being ostracized from family and community, from friends, from bosses. They just have it rough. Hebrews, 10, chap- Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 says this. Again, this is a letter to another Jewish audience around the same time, so they're probably going through very similar things. The writer of Hebrews says, but recall the former days when after being enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those imprisoned, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So suffice to say, their recent past and their current present were very, very, very rough. We can empathize with them. So the original recipients of this letter had it very, very tough. And First Peter, where Peter starts in verse six here, he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory at the honor and praise and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So first we have to ask ourselves, what is this? We can't get to the rest of 1 Peter chapter 6 and 7 without saying, all right, Peter, why are we rejoicing in this? And he answers it in verse 3 and 5 because he says, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is our very foundation to the core of our obedience, to the core of our existence, sorry. This is our born again new life in Jesus Christ. This is because of that we have an unwavering hope that no matter what this world throws at us, it, doesn't, it could be the most painful of pain of pain. It does not matter. It doesn't change what's to be coming to us in glory. And between now and then, we are protected by God that nothing can harm that protection. No thing, we are held in God's right hand. As Romans 8 says, convinced of this, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ that is in Jesus. Amen, Village Church. So we rejoice, even though it's been tough. Even though from the day we believe, or even from the day before we believe, this life, this world is filled with trials and hardship. God uses that for our sanctification, that is our process of being made more like him. And I ask myself, why does it have to be so hard, God? It's because I'm dumb. It's because I'm stubborn. It's because I'm sinful. If God were able to say, Matt, change this, please. I'd say, yes, Father. And I would change. My children are sitting here. They don't change like that. They're doing something bad. They have a poor attitude. And I say, child, change. And they say, I will, Dad. And then they go apologize to their brothers or their sister. It doesn't happen. It takes intense energy and effort to change our hearts, to change the sin that is still present, though we are saved. And so that's why, that's why Peter uses the reference of fire. That's why the Bible often talks about our sanctification process is kind of like the process of gold and silver being refined. It doesn't just take a simple dusting away of the things that are in the deepest parts of our heart. It takes intense energy and fire. Proverbs 17.3 says, the crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold and the Lord test hearts. And then Isaiah 48, verse 11. I love this verse. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. God uses trials, hardship, the hardest of hard and able to get to the deepest parts of us so that we can relinquish them to him and he can sanctify us. And that's what First Peter is, is talking about. He says, gold, though tested by fire. So I did some research on how gold was purified back in these days. Um, and it has some really neat parallels to how we are actually purified in Christ. So first gold is found either in riverbed or in ore. The gold then has to be washed. It's just simple washing, getting some of the crud away. Then it has to be crushed so that you can separate the gold from the most basic or the most apparent um, impurities, that ore that's there, then it has to be melted at degrees over a thousand degrees Fahrenheit repeatedly. And what happens when it's melted is the gold melts and anything that's not gold, not pure gold, 
that separates from the gold, it's called dross, and the refiner can remove that. And then they melt it again and again and again, and the process just repeats until finally pure gold is left. And that's really similar to our walk with Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we're washed by his blood. We just need to be saved. Then and there, justified by grace through faith, we are clean and saved. And then our most obvious sins, God says, okay, get rid of that, get rid of that. Uh, that's okay. And I tell you, when I was first saved as, a, as an 18-year-old, there were some obvious things that as I read the Bible and I would ask my mentor, um, hey, what's this uh, impure thing here? You know, in, insert X. And he goes, oh, that's that. I go, oh, hold on, I gotta call somebody. Um, I, gotta, I gotta stop that, I gotta do this. There's some just obvious things that as new believers in, in Christ, we need to stop. And then comes the refining. Then comes the trials and the afflictions that just come and come and come for our own purification. And I don't know about you, but 2020 was a repeated test. 2020 started, I don't, if, I don't remember the memes, but like Christmas was on a Friday, New Year's is on this. Like we, we looked in January at the year 2020 and thought, oh, this is gonna be so good. And then it just seemed like one thing after another, we couldn't get through a week or a month without something being incredibly difficult on a national level, on a local level, even within our own families. Couldn't get through a week or a month without somebody being sick, somebody testing positive, somebody, something. It was just one thing after another. And I kind of, I want to describe it as people tend to fall into two categories during this time. And of course, it's a spectrum, so you may fall somewhere in between. But um, in 2020, I've interacted with two types of people. Number one is the better but broken. Better but broken. Um, I've actually talked with some uh, who have said, you know what? My life's better. I've spent more time with my family, spent more time with my kids. I've had time for leisure. I started that Bible study I always wanted to. I saved on gas. You know, the trains were empty. Um, So yeah, they just said, you know what? My jobs are stable or they're even growing. But even with a person that says, you know what, my life is better, they could not escape brokenness and heartache. Frustration and fighting were everywhere. It was exhausting, it was defeating, there was pain, there was heartache. So yeah, certain aspect of those people's lives got better, but they couldn't escape just how hard it was and how it affected every single person. And then the next group, I call them the hurting and the haggard. You name it, it happened to them, and it was hard. Jobs were lost or threatened, relationships strained and broken, feeling of isolation, despair, and depression, unavoidable, almost omnipresent. And that's what 2020 was like for a lot of people. And even if it wasn't just because of 2020 or COVID, I know things happened this year that brought you almost to the end of yourself. And I know that as we learn, I love the message that Pastor Craig and Pastor Michael gave on government where they said that God has all of history orchestrated for his own glory. Surely 2020 is orchestrated for the same. So I just wanna say, I know that 2020 was intense, but it was intentional. It was intentional because God is in the process. It is he who is at at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Peter says, you rejoice in your salvation. You rejoice in hope and your protection of God, even though it's been hard, even though you've been tested. And so I wanna ask us four questions from 1 Peter 6 and 7. 
The first is this. Simply, is your faith genuine? Verse seven says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold. Has your faith in Jesus Christ been confirmed in 2020? I would say if I were an unbeliever in 2020, I would be at a loss. I will look around and say, anything I trust in to make this world better doesn't work. If my foundation of faith was in some baptism that my parents made me do when I was a baby or in just a reputation or in my habit of going to church or in, I'm at least not as crazy as those people. I'm at least not as bad as him, her, or insert group there. My world would be rocked and I would have no hope. And it would have exposed that, you know what? My foundation, my faith is not solely in the work of Jesus Christ. And that is what we need to change and fix first. We need Jesus. If 2020 taught us anything, um, some people have this notion that like, oh, humanity's basically good, you know? Ha, <laughs> No, 2020 teaches us humanity is depraved. We need help. And the only person that can fix our actual heart is Jesus Christ because he offers us hope in our present and in our eternity. So if you've said yes, my faith in Jesus Christ is confirmed. Amen, and I praise God for that. Looking around the room, I know stories of things that have happened which, which, which would have broken me to the core, but I saw you not be destroyed. Perplexed, yes. Destroyed, no way. Because Jesus Christ offers an anchor for your soul that cannot be taken or removed in any way, shape, or form. And I praise God for what is confirmed in 2020 in this body. Next question. I don't wanna get into the what needs to change yet. I wanna stay positive. Next question is, what positive spiritual fruit came out in 2020? Um, in doing some research on gold is refined and things like that, I found out a really staggering stat is that even the most productive minds in today's era, it would take five or six tons of ore to produce one ounce of gold. That's a lot. I can't imagine how many, how, like, what space five or six tons of ore, but just to get an ounce of gold from that, that is crazy. And so as, as many things as you think you need to change, there is still some solid gold that I know came out of 2020. And as I was processing this, I just came up with a few things that I thought of, man, for, for 2020, what are, the, what are the top three things that just rose to the top that, man, this was pure gold. Number one was my marriage. To say that, for those of you that don't, that don't know my wife, to say that I married up is an understatement. Um, I do have some antics, some, you know, some quirks, you might say. Um, but this year, being, being what it was, knowing that I have a partner that is okay telling me truth, is okay just having fun together and assessing and living life, she and our marriage was beautiful this year. Oh, it had its moments. She's right there, it had its moments. But I look back and I say, God, praise you that you use my wife and my marriage to sanctify me and to prove that you use this for, for your glory. So I am so thankful for that. Number two is my kids and just their simple faith. Watching them process what was taken away from them, what was changed, what, how oh, it's different and seeing them you know, run out of the van and go, oh yeah, my mask. And then they come back and I'm like, I'm, I'm going back to the man going, oh, I forgot my mask, it's so cold. You know, but just seeing how their simple faith lets them 
continue pressing on and pressing on, and they're not phased because their foundation is in Christ. And then lastly for this year, the church, you, Bartlett and East included, I love seeing the church be the church, the body of Christ in action. I've seen your patience. I've seen you um, disagree, but yet model Christ. You know, I don't know, but if you know, but not everyone agrees on how this room looks. Not everyone agrees at what we're wearing on our faces. Not everyone, not everyone agrees about anything. But yet even in disagreement, I just saw Village Church by and large say, the mission of the gospel of Christ and more important, and you are more important than me. And in that deference has just been beauty. Uh, I've seen hundreds um, just being here throughout the week, um, if not hundreds, if not thousands of things donated for some person, some family in need. The number of people that are coordinating meals and service projects and visits, and you will never know what happens throughout the week um, as this body mobilizes and wants to care for people. It's just been beautiful. So I just, I, so I say, God, I praise you. Because in 2020, the church was never for one day closed. Because the church is not just this Sunday morning. It's how you mobilize and love one another and encourage one another all throughout the week. So I praise God for that. And so just personally, what has that been for you? What positive fruit came from this year that you can name, you can write down, you can tell somebody, you can praise him for it as we stood up and sang another in the fire and then later on we're gonna sing a living hope. Praise God and have in your mind those things that came out of 2020 that were good. But we gotta move on to question number three. Question number three being, what was revealed in the fire that needs to be refined? 1 John 1.10 says this, if we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and the truth of God is not in us. And if I stand up here and say, you know, I can count on one hand the number of times I've sinned in 2020. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the truth of God, that wasn't even my wife. The truth of God, the truth of God is not in me. And so we know we have things to work on. We know impurities rose up. I think we know we need to deal with them. And we're gonna talk about them on three different levels today. We're gonna talk about them in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And right up front, I just want to challenge us to get out of this. And grace is grace, is, grace is awesome, but grace is not licensed to sin. And we need to be able to call sin, sin, regardless of how cute and funny, or even, isn't it weird how proud we can be of sin? Like in some broken way, I think I told you that my dad was in the doctor because he was too stubborn to take his meds. I'm like, and I'm proud that my father is so stubborn and I am just as stubborn because I am a souls. In some way, we get weirdly proud of sin. And so let's just make the agreement. Let's not wink at it. Let's not be proud about it. Let's just call sin for what it is because sin nailed Jesus to the cross. If it wasn't so ugly, he wouldn't have had to suffer that much. So first, your thoughts. Proverbs 27, sorry, Proverbs 23, seven says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so maybe this year, you might not have said something, but oh, you thought it. Maybe you're a no mask person and you saw someone driving in their car with a mask on totally alone and you lost it in your head. You just went, lost it. Turn it around. Maybe you're a mask all the time person 
and you saw someone walk right past a mask required sign in a store, lick their hand and give it a high five. And you lost it. And I could say this for whether you've, you know, when you're watching the news, whatever, whatever, when you're on social media, the thoughts that are in your head, which I would usually say are hateful, and they are against God's image bearers, that is every single human being, what do your thoughts reveal about your heart? Do your thoughts reveal that you love your neighbor as yourself? Do your thoughts reveal that you put yourself on the same sinful category as everyone else? So how can you expect more from them than you do of yourself? What do your thoughts reveal about your character? And I'll just repeat this process over and over again from now on. Name it. Name the thought, name the sin. Confess it. Agree with God that it is sin and that you are sorry and that you want to move on. Repent, ask God to help change you, and then get to work taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This process is gonna be the same for all these sins. Name it, confess, repent, and get to work. Number two, your mouth. From the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Can you see this is kind of how this might be a difficult one to preach? You know, it's so personal. From the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So how do our reactions reveal our impurities? For me, it's when something breaks or the dog barks. My knee-jerk reaction is not glorifying to God. And I can either say, Lord, I confess that anger or that outburst, but I should really say, Lord, what is in my heart that causes me to respond like that? These things that come out of our, our mouth should ask us to look into our heart. Maybe this year you've watched um, news briefings with J.B. Pritzker. Maybe this year you've watched um, demonstrations on either side of the fence, whatever it is, and the things that came out of your mouth do not declare that God is in control. Do not declare that you trust him. Do not declare that you are submissive in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm not naming names. I'm just saying what came out of our mouth in 2020 could reveal some things in our hearts that need to be dealt with. And so again, the process is simple. We name it. We call sin for what it is. Therefore, we confess it because sin is against God and against God only, and it put his son on a cross so we want to change and we repent and we get to work dealing with it. We get to work wanting pure water to spring forth from our mouth. And last on this, what needs to change are simply our actions. Um, the coach John Wooden once said this. I love this quote. He said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. So I think in 2020, we had a lot of opportunity to be more alone than ever. More time alone, more time away from people that would normally keep us in check. So when you were alone, who were you? Or when you were around a group of people that you didn't really care what they thought, or a group of people that you didn't necessarily need to impress to keep a job or to keep your reputation, whatever it was, what were you like? Hebrews 4 says this, no creature is hidden from his God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him 
to whom we must give account. And I will say this, God knows all things, he sees all things. And if this year you use that opportunity for the flesh, you use that opportunity to even neglect things that, I mean, raise your hand if in April you were like, I'm gonna know the Bible so well this year. That's so much time. And you're like, uh, yeah, spent a little bit more time. I, I started the second page of this Devo, this Bible study. You know, I got through Genesis this year. Stopped again at you know, Exodus. I don't know what your private sin struggle is or what you've been neglecting. You and the Holy Spirit can work that out. But again, I will say, we will give account for it. Our thoughts, our words, our actions, and it is worth changing. So re- name it, confess, repent, and get on living by the Spirit so that you may not carry out the desires of the flesh for the two are opposed to one another. The last question I have is simply this. Are we seeing these trials through God's lens. Um, I hope at the least this sermon just reminded you that God has a purpose for everything. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's beautiful, it's confusing. He can, I can't even grasp how it all works together. I know that it does. But I also wanna encourage us that God's lens of how not just to view these trials, but to view ourselves, God is a merciful father. God is mindful that we are but human. Psalm 103 says this, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are but dust. I know the last 10 minutes were kind of heavy talking about all the things that we need to change and all these dark impurities of our hearts that come up through our thoughts and our words and our actions. And God is not that demanding king who slams in fists and says, change now, I will crush you. He is king and he is enthroned and he has authority to do that. But God is your heavenly father who says, son, daughter, change. Here's why. And I don't just expect you to change on your own you know, gumption and your own strength. I'll experience it for you in Jesus Christ by becoming human and I'll come alongside you and I'll empathize with you. God is our heavenly father who is patiently parenting you, wanting you to be more like his son. He is not demanding it like a king. Though he is, he is so gracious and patient with us. And also, let's not forget who's writing this book. All right, who wrote first, Peter? Say Peter. Peter, all right. I mean, let's just go, let's just go through the list of, of, of what Peter did. Peter rebuked Jesus, then Jesus called him Satan. Um, Peter corrected Jesus, I think on a few times. Um, Peter uh, fell in the water. He did walk on it for a second, but he lost faith and fell in and Jesus kind of rebuked him for that too. Um, Peter cut off the ear of the high priest when Jesus was arrested. That was fun. Peter, Peter was even denied Jesus to his face. And Peter was later rebuked by Paul for how he treated the Gentiles. So in all of scripture, we have Peter's shortcomings. Yet, he went on. He did not let his failure define him. He went on to be the rock of the church, a leader of the Jewish church in Jesus Christ. And so church, I just want to encourage you as the weight of hearing about how sinful and dark our heart can be, you are not defined by your sin. You were defined by Jesus Christ. 
Your sin is not your identity. Jesus Christ is. If you're taking notes, there's a great verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 11. Verses 9 and 10 lists a whole bunch of sins. I mean, if it's a sin, you name it, it's there. And then verse 11, so insert sin, 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 sin there. Verse 11 says this, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever your thought, word, action, struggle is, it does not define you. You are God's son or daughter, so therefore you can have victory over it. So what? So what, number one, trust in Jesus. If 2020 revealed that you are in need of hope, that you are desperate for meaning, desperate for consolation, we saw that no program could fix it, no politician could fix it, no amount of money thrown at it can fix it. Nothing can fix it. Because the true condition is our heart and the fact that we are eternally destined for hell and therefore have no hope without Jesus Christ. So the good news of the gospel is simply this, that Jesus Christ, God himself, became human, lived a perfect life, was sent to a cross that he didn't deserve that you actually earned. He died in your place, was buried and rose again. And God said, simple faith in him will save you. You cannot earn it. That's the good news. Just believe. Believe with your mouth and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God says, you will be saved. That's the first thing we need to make sure we do. Number two, let your heart rejoice. I feel like I've been in survival mode since June. Um, survival mode is generally not good for your emotions and your soul, but somehow coming to a place, we're naming these good things that happen, we're naming how wonderful, how wonderful our salvation is. Let your heart rejoice. Psalm 66, it's up there for reference. Psalm 66, I'll read some verses of it. It says, you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried you laid a crushing burden on our backs. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us into a place of abundance. Verse 16, come and hear all who fear God and I will tell what he has done for my soul. Looking back at this 2020, as hard as it may be, we can praise God for what he did for our soul. And as we, in just a second, we watch a baptism and we hear a testimony and we go back into praise, we can do that corporately. You can do that as a family. You can have a whiteboard, take notes. You can do that with friends. What good happened in 2020? And let's name it and let's sing a song about it. Let's just pray to God and thank him for it. But just tell God and praise him for what he has done for your soul. And lastly, let God remove your dross. Dross are those impurities that when he did rise up. Um, I don't know if you remember, some of you may, but I started 2020 uh, in a sling with a little pad right here and a red ball that was there for me to squeeze. Uh, that, was, that was fun. Um, because of this, it was Lauren's fault, actually. Um, so I was on a mission trip to Crandon with the high school students here at youth group uh, called Forge. And uh, it was one of the best mission trips ever. Um, Benjamin Dewing, the missionary that we support up there in Crandon, it's this camp up there. Uh, they said, we want to put in a new playground, so we need you to clear the forest. And I'm like, yes! I packed every, packed every chainsaw I had, you know, all my climbing gear. I'm like, it's going to be so good. Um, and it was so cool because we didn't have to like 
chip the wood, we just burnt it. So um, Kevin's over here, he was like in charge of the fire, one of the biggest fires ever. I mean, chainsaws and fires, how cool is that? All right, but I'm not even gonna tell you the story of how I may have laid one of the trees down on some hidden power lines and got horribly zapped. Um, the last day of the trip, there was one tree that needed like some skill to take down, that needed lowering and you know needed some whatever. So I'm working on it. Many of the students are already left to get changed for the beach because this was like our, you know, there's a beach in Wisconsin, but it's a lake. Um, this like kind of beach day, we were gonna go have a cookout. And I was like, we just gotta finish this one tree. And so it's like me and a student and Lauren. And uh, I'm up in the tree, you know, getting rigged and I got my spikes on and I'm all sitting there. And uh, Lauren was like, you know, I'm gonna speed things up. I'm gonna take Matt's other saw, some of the ones that were down there, and I'm gonna chop up some of these logs and speed things up. And I mean, my wife was using a chainsaw, I guess. It's pretty cool, all right? So she was using the chainsaw, and I don't care if you've used the saw for a year or 20 years, you're eventually gonna get it stuck in a log. It's gonna pinch the bar in some way, shape, or form. So sure enough, she got it stuck in the log, and even though she was using the chainsaw, so I'm, I'm like standing there, and I stop what I'm doing, and I'm holding onto a branch here and just kind of sitting back in my you know, harness and whatnot, and I'm like turning around going, no, lift that and yank this and pull it, and... And in leaning back and turning, my feet slip out of the bark and I just caught myself like that and my harness catches me. And you know, that, that day I'm like, oh, that didn't feel right. This is something, huh? So a um, couple weeks later, we go to a family camp and we get to jump in Lake Superior and to swim back to the shore in like 40 degree water. I'm basically swimming in a circle because I can't like swim with this arm. So I'm just going like this. It was horrible. So week after week, month after month go by, I'm like... Yeah, I really messed that up. So I go in and get it checked. Sure enough, something's torn. They said, well, we can fix it. I go, ooh, they fix it? I have to get a shot, which I'm a baby. Um, or an IV. Ooh. Then I have to like, be like this for you know, six weeks. Then I have to go through physical therapy, all of which I can't do anything that I really like to do. I will be useless for four months, and I might be cranky. Or I'm like, what are the chances it'll heal itself, right? And they're like, okay. So my choice was get it fixed or live the next however many years the Lord wants to keep me on this earth, basically with half of an upper body. So I got it fixed. Check it out. Huh? Yeah, that's cool. Um, but the process of us wanting to partner with God to remove the impurities in our hearts are very similar to that story. Surgery hurt. The process of healing was not fun. Physical therapy and the work I had to do on it was not fun or easy. I didn't like it. My therapists were very mean people. They weren't. They were beautiful. But, um, I mean, they were tough. But the opposite. I would live a life of regret and be useless and our sin is the same way. If we choose to hold on to our sin, it ruins and darkens our heart, it affects those around us, and it ultimately is just death to our soul. Or we can choose to name it. We can choose to confess it. We can choose to repent and get to work. And it is scary to get to work on your sins. It is usually not, mm, God, I agree that's sin. I will do it in my own power, thank you. No, 
It's talk about it with somebody. It's seeking help when you need to. It's taking intentional actions to study scriptures about it and to get accountability. It actually takes real work. But in the end, Hebrews says, verse chapter 12, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by the discipline of the Lord. So Village Church, that is my prayer for you this year, that 2020 is not wasted. So much happened in 2020. And it would be awful to let it go by without letting God use it to let those impurities rise to the top and we can actually deal with them and move on to the praise of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, it's just weighty to talk about your word and the, and, and the, or how you use affliction and fire to actually um, mold us and change us. And Lord, I praise you for so much good and so much confirmation of faith and how the body of Christ was mobilized. So much good in 2020, Lord. Praise you for that. And Lord, I ask that as, as we were listening to your word today, as your spirit was nudging us, God, that we would respond with courageous obedience and that, Lord, we would take the steps necessary to remove the dross and impurities of our hearts that can have dark corners in our thoughts and our words and our actions, Lord. And thank you that you said you've given us victory. We have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in us. We praise you for that, for our new life and the fact that we are identified in Christ now. Lord, we ask that you would do this in us in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.